This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, or whatever. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, bumpy, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of Polish tradition there. I'm very disappointed, uh, but on a positive note for Wisconsin, you know, Hall of Fame coach, and you got arguably what I think is the best player in the nation. Um, now they can talk about these other guys. If there's a guy that hit tougher shots, I mean, we didn't play great, but he, that kid made some plays. Uh, he made some shots with his right hand, with his left hand. He made passes. Um, he played pretty good defense. Um, I've never been more impressed with a player in our league since maybe Big Dog uh, back in the day. I thought uh, I thought the kid uh, was sensational, and you know some of it was our fault. But boy, I mean, we clamped up the second half. I thought we had some chances. He just made big shot after big shot, whether it be a three, whether it be putting it on the floor. Um, he's the most versatile kid that I think our league has seen in a long, long time. Everybody, welcome to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Badgers news, notes, discussion. And uh, you just heard at the beginning of the show, Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo talking about Frank Kaminsky, who had a monster game, a way to go out in front of the home crowd in the 68-61 victory on Sunday for the Wisconsin Badgers that clinched the big uh, share, I should say, of the Big Ten title. And we are joined also another great site to go to, our friends on scout.com, our friends, my good buddy, Ben Wargle, our good buddy, I should say, Ben Wargle from badgernation.com. Ben, thanks for coming on. And uh, quite the uh, victory for the Badgers, you know, seven-point victory, but also, you know, clinching that Big Ten title. Dominant victory. Um, I mean, you saw that they only won by seven, but Wisconsin led by as many as 22 in the second half. Uh, Frank Kaminsky was tremendous. Nigel Hayes as well, early on in that game, really opened up a lot of things from the low post standpoint to get Wisconsin moving forward. You know, to hold Michigan State to just 22 points in the paint, just 24 rebounds at the season low for the Spartans, uh, that's tremendous for Wisconsin. It's for them to win the Big Ten or share the Big Ten title against Michigan State, I think for the seniors, meant a little bit more. Uh, the Spartans had been a big bugaboo for the Badgers the last handful of years. I believe Michigan State won six out of seven meetings, uh, ended Wisconsin's run for a Big Ten tournament title uh, last spring. So uh, th- that was a, a very solid victory for Wisconsin. For them to bounce back from the Maryland loss the way they did, uh, I think is very encouraging moving forward for this team. Now, Ben, obviously at this point, two road games left, and, and not easy. I mean, Minnesota's tough at, at home, and Ohio State, and obviously teams are trying to play for 
for seeding in Ohio State's uh, case, and maybe even in Minnesota's trying to get into the tournament. So if just if you're if you're Bo Ryan and the team, you're just trying. To, I would imagine just build some momentum uh, because then you have a few days off before they'll play their first game in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I think Minnesota's trying to get into the NIT tournament. I don't think you're going to see them get into the NCAA tournament unless <laughs> they go on a run next weekend in Chicago. But I do agree with you with Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State's been very tough at home. They've been very mediocre away from Value City Arena. So these are going to be two tough road games for Wisconsin. And you, you know, you just look for the first uh, the first game in Minnesota. Wisconsin's lost in their last two trips up to Minneapolis. Um, and other than that, they've been pretty dominant in the series, except for those two trips up to uh, up to the barn. So this will be an important game for Wisconsin to continue moving forward and building off uh, this win on Sunday and to win the, the, win the Big Ten title outright. I know that is weighing on the minds of a lot of these seniors, uh, a good majority of this team, to build momentum going into next weekend in in Chicago. And it's certainly with Ohio State, uh, the Badgers haven't seen Ohio State this year. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is having a fantastic year, probably outside Frank Kaminsky. He's probably the, the likely candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year. Now, I don't think he'll get it because I think Frank Kaminsky's performance on Sunday almost sealed the deal for him, so to speak. But certainly, Ohio State is playing for a, a seed. They're playing for a better, uh, uh, a marquee win, so to speak. So, They'll be quite a bit on the line here for Wisconsin, and they know how tough this stretch is. They knew that Maryland was going to be tough. They knew Michigan State was going to be tough. All these games for Wisconsin here down the stretch are very, very challenging. And Wisconsin, as they always do, take it one game at a time, focus on what's in front of them, and then deal with that, and then move forward. We're here with Ben Wargle, BadgerNation.com. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at the Badger Nation. Uh, and also check out, of course, the Inside Badger Nation radio broadcast on iHeartRadio and uh, 1310 WIBA, if I'm not mistaken, on Monday nights with Phil Dawson. And you, my friend, uh, in your opinion, what is your thoughts? Like, What are you going to take away from this senior class for the Wisconsin men's basketball team? Very productive group, a group that won a lot of games, a group that has a – uh, a really solid work ethic among them. I, I think that when all four of these kids came in, it really didn't move the barometer, so to speak. It didn't draw national attention. I mean, look at Frank Kaminsky and Trayvon Jackson. These two guys committed on the same day uh, four and a half years ago. And, you know, outside the Madison area, I don't think really much attention was put was placed on them. And now those two really over the last handful of years have are really the pillars of this program. You know, Frank Kaminsky, what he's done in, in two years, his rise from, uh, you know, minimal minutes off the bench to perhaps national player of the year is just incredible. I don't think I've seen a kid develop and put as much time in to get to that level as Frank Kaminsky's done. Uh, Trayvon Jackson obviously has had a, you know, depending on who you ask his career, uh, has varying opinions, but to start 84 consecutive games, to hit some of the big shots that he's hit throughout his career, um, you really have to kind of tip your cap to him. You hope that he returns for the sake of not just him, but for his teammates and for the program, because to add him late would be a huge addition to this team, because right now I think you could argue that they're struggling in two areas 
on the bench and guarding dribble penetration, two areas that Trayvon Jackson would be able to help them in. And then, you know, two guys that overcame, you know, injuries. Uh, Josh Gosser with the torn ACL came back and has played very well the last two years. And Duye Dukan, who battled mono a couple of years ago, he played a valuable role off the bench last year. And he's been a, a key contributor this year, who's unfortunately in the second part of the season is just battling a, a terrible shooting funk that he can't work his way out of. But all four of these guys, like any other senior class, have you know very different stories, but they've all put in a ton of work, and you all can see how much they've developed uh, over the over the course of their tenure here. It, it's really it, it's always kind of fun when you think think at senior day and you, you watch the the video montage and you see them as you know high schoolers and then as early in their career just to see how far they've grown. Uh, you know, this class, I would argue, these four guys, they've grown as much as anybody uh, at the University of Wisconsin here under Bo Ryan. Ben, let's talk a little bit about Jackson. I, obviously, the sooner they get him back, the, the better it's going to be, as you just mentioned. But you'd like to get him a couple games under his belt before the NCAA tournament. What is the, right now currently the timetable, and, and what's your feel on when you think he'll be back on the court? Well, I agree with you that they want to get him games before the NCAA tournament, but it all depends on when he's medically cleared. It's not like they're, it's not like that he's ready to go and the train staff is is holding him back. He's just he's just not there yet where he can get even cleared physically to practice. Um, you know, Bull Ryan kind of made the rounds uh, yesterday on their off day. He did the Big Ten teleconference. He did Andy Katz's podcast, and kind of the message was the same: is that they're ho- they're hopeful that he will contribute in the Big Ten tournament, but it doesn't appear likely. So in that instance, you're looking at Trayvon Jackson returning perhaps by Wisconsin's first game in the NCAA tournament. Now, that's not ideal. You want to get him some games before you go into the national tournament, but you know, say Wisconsin's a one seed or a two seed. Um, they're going to be so far overmatching the team they're going to be playing, that maybe that's a good kind of starter game for Trayvon Jackson to work his way into. And then as you go on in the tournament, obviously the games are going to get tougher. So it all kind of depends on Trayvon Jackson and the medical staff. I mean, until he gets on the court, it's so hard to say. I mean, we're certainly not going to see him this week. Um, But he certainly will add a dimension to this team, we think. But, I mean, he hasn't been on the court in over seven weeks, you know, what kind of player is he going to be when he gets back until that happens? You know, it's just all guesswork right now. We're here with Ben Morgle, BadgerNation.com, and, you know, switching gears over to football real quick. It's announced today officially by the Wisconsin Athletic Department, but, you know, and head coach Paul Chris that former running backs coach John Settle will come back and uh, kind of, be, you know, be the same at, or come back to be the same running backs coach that he was from 2006 to 2010 uh, and, uh, you know, had, has a very good history, obviously, and spent the last couple of years, you know, spent last year at Pitt with Chris and then also spent a couple of years in the NFL. What does the, the hire do, in your opinion, uh, for, for the program and for the team uh, all from a, obviously a position coach uh, perspective, but also from the recruiting look? From a coaching standpoint, I don't think you can do much worse than John Settle. Um, you know, he's, he's tremendous. Uh, excuse me, I phrased that wrong. You can't do much better <laughs> than John Settle. I apologize. Uh, John Settle is a, a tremendous position coach. Uh, you look at 
what he's done at Wisconsin with uh, the players he's developed. And I thought it was really interesting, the release today. Uh, you, I haven't seen this in a long time, especially from Wisconsin when they announced an assistant coach, putting quotes from former players on there as well. Uh, quotes from Monte Ball, John Clay, uh, Brady Ewing, and James White, just speaking to the high character that John Sell brings to the table. It was kind of interesting that they chose to do that because I think the hiring of John Settle is a little bit polarizing. I think some people really look at him as a a good position coach but aren't very keen on him because of his recruiting background. He's not a real tenacious recruiter. He, In his tenure at Wisconsin, he didn't really land many home runs on his own. Now, he obviously contributed quite a bit to running backs. Um, you could tell that in the quotes made by John Clay and, and Ball and White. So it'll be interesting to see what John Sell does this time around from a recruiting standpoint. Is he going to be like Paul Chris was when he was at Wisconsin? Is John Sell just going to be the guy who's going to be the national running back recruiter and just recruit specifically running backs? Or is he going to go into the South where he was kind of stationed before in the Carolinas and Georgia a little bit? I think now that the staff is finally complete, Chris and company can kind of hash out what areas they're going to recruit and which coaches are going to specifically recruit those areas. So um, I'm a fan of John Settle. I think he's a great guy. I think he has developed talent very well. I mean, if you look at the 2010 season, his last, uh, Wisconsin had three running backs rush for over 995 yards. I mean, that's an incredible number. Um, I'm interested to see how he's going to relate to this young group of backs because you have Corey Clements, without question, your number one guy, and then a bunch of guys behind him who are very unproven and very raw, guys like Taiwan Deal and Caleb Kinlaw as redshirt freshmen. We're going to get a lot of reps this spring. Then you have the incoming guys in Jordan Stevenson and Bradwick Shaw. It'll be interesting to see how John Sell works with those young guys and develops them because, face it, after Corey Clements, there's not another scholarship running back on the roster with a collegiate carry. Ben, it's been great talking with you, my friend, uh, and we'd love to have you back on down the road. Obviously, spring football coming up shortly, and uh, will I see you at Pro Day coming up uh, down in just a little, was it about a week from tomorrow? Yeah, you'll see me at Pro Day. Oh, my, <laughs> the, my most favorite event to cover on the calendar year, UW Pro Day. Yeah, I'll see you then, my friend. Awesome. Take care. Guys, that's Ben Warkable from BadgerNation.com. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Make sure you follow Ben, by the way, at the Badger Nation. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Wes Hodquitz, Green Bay Press Gazette, talks some Packers free agency news. And uh, what are they going to do with Randall Cobb? He'll give us his opinion. Uh, we'll talk to you guys in just a little bit. Here's Tom Izzo again on Wisconsin and their Final Four chances. You talked about Wisconsin being a Final Four type team. You picture them in March in terms of the tournament. It's a lot about matchups. What makes them a Final Four team? Community, Bo Ryan. Those two things are really big. Hall of Fame coach and, and, and uh, you know we can argue. So they just they just put it this way to make it easy one of the two or three best players in the whole country. And, uh, and a pretty solid cast. You know, you love a guy like Gasser. I mean, he, he's been here five years, and he just does his role and plays his role. And, you know, I think they've got some issues they've got to deal with, you know, double penetration at times and things because they're so big. Their depth is a little suspect. I hope they get Jackson back. 
about him and uh, you know and some teams that can screw up but I number one I don't think Bo will let that happen and number two I don't think Jackson or the team will let it happen I mean they need one more sub if they're getting to certain games against certain teams so uh, you know they've got some things to probably continue to work on but uh, um, I just think they've got all the ingredients to be one now you all comes down to matchups as we all know Everybody, welcome back. Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And uh, you guys can hear, obviously, uh, both of my twins in the background, which is always fun. So I'm Jake Kokorowski. <laughs> we got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, uh, on the line as well. And we also have now one of our, uh, we call our Polish brothers from another mother's. Uh, we have the Green Bay Press Gazette's Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, I'm going to ask you the, the hardest-hitting question first. Are you ready for WrestleMania? <laughs> I like how you... You hit me with the tough ones first. It's a sign of a, a, a good uh, a good reporter, a good broadcaster. Uh, I am. I'm on the road to WrestleMania here. I'm excited for it. I. Uh, it's funny. That's always kind of the the big carrot this time of year. Is you get through the you know kind of this big free agency frenzy, and then you know the owners meetings, and on the other side of it, you have four hours of of sports entertainment bliss. So yeah, we're we're counting down the days at the Hodkowitz household for sure. Right. Yeah, we're definitely doing that here as well. Speaking of the free agent uh, frenzy, so to speak, uh, let's start with the biggest news first. Um, I don't know that it was necessarily a surprise, but the Packers elect to not franchise Randall Cobb. Obviously, now he's a free agent. He'll be testing the waters. Some rumors have it uh, that he's looking for $12 million a season. I don't know if he'll get that. I don't know how valuable he is. I think he's a great receiver. Don't get me wrong. Let me, let me couch that by saying I think he's worth uh, being a starter anywhere, although I don't know how productive he'll be, say, maybe with Oakland as he would in Green Bay. But right. what, what are you hearing? What, what do you think uh, he's looking for? Does he have a chance to re-sign with the Packers? And if not, where do you think he might land? I think he still has a better than average chance of signing with the Packers. I don't know if it's – it's definitely not a lock. But I think if you were looking at this from a uh, – 
you know, a questionable probable standpoint. It's somewhere in between there. Uh, yeah, as you alluded to, I know th- that his camp looking for $12 million a year. Uh, my colleague, Ryan Wood, I uh, spoke to an agent in the league for one of the, for one of the top receivers in the league. Um, and he estimated that that was probably obviously uh, something that Cobb's camp wanted, but maybe a little bit pie in the sky. This guy like his caliber is probably looking more at the eight, $9 million range with probably topping out at 10 in a traditional year. Uh, but obviously when you get Des Bryant getting franchise tagged, uh, you have Thomas off the market. Well, then maybe you see teams like Jacksonville or Oakland who are really plush with salary cap room. Maybe they would threaten to, to toss that number up. I know, I talked to one guy that, that has had negotiations with Oakland in the past, had players who, who have played for the Raiders during the Reggie McKenzie era, and you know they, they had said that they wouldn't be surprised if McKenzie looking to make a big splash would maybe delve over that mark. But at the end of the day, as you alluded to, Cobb needs to make a decision for himself as well. And it was a story I wrote on PackersNews.com um, tonight is that you know he's going to have to look at it too that he's probably going to be in line for another contract by the time he's 30 years old I'm guessing this will probably be a four or five year deal so if you're getting the ball thrown to you from Aaron Rodgers you stand a pretty good chance to always be in the hunt for another big deal if you stay healthy Uh, if you go to Oakland you know with Derek Carr you go to Jacksonville with Blake Bortles you're betting on their talent and development to get you what you need as a receiver you look at James Jones and, and Greg Jennings a little bit older guys, but they're kind of seeing a dip in production now. So uh, it's a big question this week. It's something we're going to be talking about for at least another week until the situation gets settled. But, um, yeah, Randall Cobb, I think certainly the way he performed last year, uh, he's worth every penny that the team will pay him. And him and Jimmy Sexton, his agent right now, they're they're doing whatever they can to, to, to find out what that number is. We're with Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette. You can find him on Twitter at Wes Hod. And Wes, you know, some other news that you saw recently, A.J. Hawk released, uh, announced on his podcast, uh, released after, I believe, it was nine seasons with the Packers, all-time leading tackler for the, for the Packers. Brad Jones let go. Uh, and since we've talked to you as well, Brandon Bostic let go in the past couple of weeks. Uh, along with like Sean Slocum, uh, clearing house on, on, a, on a few different things. Uh, your opinion of just AJ Hawk's time here in Green Bay and Brad Jones as well. Uh, your opinion on their time and, and what they contributed. And, and I guess my opinion really with Hawk. I mean, I know he was the number five overall pick, but I mean he had a pretty consistent career though. Maybe it didn't live up to the number five overall draft pick. Yeah. No, it's a great observation. It's been a great talking point for a number of years for Packer fans, whatever you know side of the fence you fall on with Hawk. Uh, I did find it a little bit interesting. The three guys that I actually gave Fs to in our season-end grades, uh, they're all out of Green Bay now. A.J. Hawk, uh, Brad Jones, and Brandon Bostic, which maybe that's good for me once the locker room comes back together here in a couple months. But uh, the way that Hawk played this year, I understand, had the bone spurs removed at the end of the season, he was hampered by that. But it really, you know, the thing about Hawk is he never really had that lateral quickness. I think everybody projected from the combine and all of his numbers. And that hurt him in a lot of ways when it came to coverage and, you know, kind of some of the the things that really define a playmaker in that role. You're right, though. He was a very consistent player for a lot of years. uh, But this year he went from adequate to, you know, a liability. And that was the biggest drop-off for them. Um, He had to get replaced. They had to go in a different direction. And, And basically Ted Thompson held on to him 
probably a year. If you talk to my colleague Pete Doherty, he'll say two years too long. Brad Jones was always a peculiar signing because I think they sort of panicked back in 2013. Desmond Bishop, they had questions of how he would come back from his hamstring. They projected that right. He's only played in six games since then. And with Brad Jones, he played well enough that I thought, I, I, my thought is that they, the Packers were thinking that if he's always had injury concerns, well, if he stays on the field, uh, this guy could be a pretty decent player for them. Uh, and that that kind of philosophy and idea ended up being wrong. Uh, he regressed in all of his three seasons. Had his best year in that contract year, uh, but definitely didn't live up to that contract. The Packers need to get better at inside backer. Mike McCarthy said it at the scouting combine. He looked at that position a lot like he view, how he viewed the safety position a year ago. And the only way that they're going to get better there is if they kind of push the reset button. Uh, it's not easy to find inside backer help. I think that's one of the reasons why you saw A.J. Hawk hang on as long as he did and why Brad Jones got a contract. The Packers were kind of sort of spoiled there for a while with the litany of middle linebackers that came through that were serviceable with the Brandon Chalars and, and uh, you know, Desmond Bishops of the world. But generally speaking, it's not easy to find those guys. So they're going to go into the draft now. I'm sure they'll address it in the first two days uh, and try to move forward and see if Sam Barrington can be a starter in that role and how much Clay Matthews is going to factor into it. So, uh, a lot of stuff to shuffle out for the Packers right now, but clearing house of, of Jones and, and Hawk, um, that obviously is a pretty decent starting point. Well, and you're hoping, Wes, that with clearing out some of that money, you look at what's still uh, – and I want to talk about guys from outside the organization in a minute, but let's just talk about uh, players that the Packers are trying to re-sign. Uh, you have Bulaga, uh, and you can rank them in any order you want, but Bulaga, sure. Williams, B.J. Raji, just to name a few, John Kuhn. When you look at the the guys at the Packers uh, and, and Cobb, which we obviously let off, right? With, but who do you think are the priorities uh, for the Packers to resign? Uh, maybe in order, maybe one through five, um, and 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 of those, who do you think they will resign? Well, to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert, because we've been doing those uh, that free agent countdown on the PackersNews.com website, uh, we're into my my top five right now, so I can I can kind of give away a little bit of a hint here on the show. Um, oh, but spoilers! The way I was, spoilers! <laughs> turn off the radio now. Turn off your show. Um, no, but I I looked at it as Randall Cobb was the definite number one. Brian Balaga was the definite number two. Both of those guys are difference maker type players, and they both be very difficult to replace. If they lose either one of those guys, you might be looking at having to use a first or second round draft pick on those positions. Mm-hmm. Then you go into the cornerback position. I think probably Devon House gets the edge over Tremont Williams for that number three spot. Uh, just based on the fact that he is younger, he has a big market. The question with House is his ability to stay healthy and also his consistency when he's on the field. He's played excellent in spurts. He's played like a shutdown cornerback in spurts. Can he carry that through an entire season? And that's the one thing we never were able to see in Green Bay up until this point is whether or not he can be that consistent. Interested to see what his market is this year, considering he always was a part-time player. Tremont Williams had a pretty decent season, but he's going to be he's 32 years old now. Uh, how is he going to be able to hold on? Much like you saw with A.J. Hawk this year, the the area from being an average to above-average player to, to regressing you know, lower than that point, uh, it can happen quickly at those ages. The one thing working for him, though, is obviously he's been pretty healthy. Uh, for that number five spot, I still put Latroy Guyon ahead of B.J. Raji just because Guyon had a better year that year than I think Raji's had going back to 2010. He was exactly what the Packers needed as far as a guy that could get penetration from the nose tackle position, had three and a half sacks, but also was a pretty good run stuffer once he settled into the position. 
and kind of gotten his feet back underneath him after that injury in camp. Uh, so I put him in that five spot. I think Raji will be great if they can get him back. Uh, it could be a good value for them. I don't expect his market to be very high after last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, only getting, you know, the $3 million, $3.7 million. Um, so I, I kind of look at the, the way it shuffles out right there. Obviously, Guyon's situation is going to have to get itself settled before the Packers will bring him back. But when you look at the top six, I think those are the main priorities in everything after that. I, I think every the Packers can pretty much have any of those players back if they want. We're here with Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette, here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter and the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And uh, I guess, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You know, we talked about free agent signings, but you also mentioned going out in the draft. Uh, I guess, you know, obviously we still got quite a bit of time before that draft that happens. Uh, but in your opinion, what are the key areas you've mentioned inside linebacker? What are some other areas? I'm seeing a bunch of mock drafts with defensive line. You know, you mentioned LaTroy Guyon, but defensive line, inside linebacker. Uh, even tight end, I thought I saw someone say Max Williams in one of the mocks from Minnesota. Uh, where do you th- what do you th- who or, or maybe what position do you think they'll try to take in that first round? Yeah, you know the thing that's really interesting about the Packers this year is uh, unlike a lot of teams in the NFL that just have these litany of needs that they have, the Packers' needs are pretty singular. I mean, they're they're pretty small. A lot of what they're going to do in the draft, I think, is probably going to be determined in these next couple weeks. Who can they get back? Because if Brian Belaka comes back at right tackle, you know I'm sure they still will take an offensive lineman, but they might not have to take one at all, really. And if he isn't back, they'll probably have to take one in the opening couple rounds. The unanimous position is inside backer, but the more drafts you see and the more people I've talked to, it sounds like that's a position they might be able to address in the second round where there might be three or four options there um, that they would be kind of maybe stretching the draft at number 30 otherwise. Uh, so that that could be a good kind of omen for them. Uh, after last year with trying to get C.J. Mosley and him not falling to 21 and them having to go with Ha Ha Clint Dix, although it looks like he'll be a fine NFL player. Uh, the tight end position is going to need to be addressed. I don't know if they do it in the first round. Obviously, history would tell you that they haven't had a lot of success with that first-round pick, although Bubba Franks was a very good player and an above-average player for a number of years, a good run blocker. Uh, he never really quite lived up to that to that selection either. So maybe they wait with that. Um, really, I think it comes down to who they who they get back. I mean, if if the defensive linemen clear house here and Raji and Guyon aren't back, they'll have to draft a nose tackle pretty high. Uh, if those two guys are back again, they might not really need to address the position at all because you kind of have to see what you have with Dayton Jones, Josh Boyd, Kyrie Thornton, uh, guys that they've drafted pretty recently. Uh, defensive linemen, there's only so many spots for those guys on this team now with them running a lot of two lineman looks. Uh, you have to be careful with you know how much you invest in that position. Uh, at the same time, I think receiver could be an area. If the two cornerbacks are gone, uh, or if Tremont Williams comes back and Devon House leaves, they'll probably need to draft a cornerback. Uh, this next couple weeks is going to determine and dictate which direction they go. It's a very intriguing thing, though, because in the past, uh, it was pretty cut and dry who the Packers were looking at, what positions they needed. They needed a defensive lineman two years ago. Last year, they desperately needed the safety, and you knew the best way to address that was going to be in the draft. Uh, this year they have some players that actually can fill holes and can be really standout potential prospects uh, when you look at how young Randall Cobb is yet. Uh, Brian Belaga, if he can put the injuries past him, how how dominant he's been at right tackle. Uh, if they get those guys back, those positions aren't – you don't need, really need to address them. Uh, but if they aren't, 
then the Packers are going to have to try to figure out some of this other stuff, probably through the draft, because as we've seen with Thompson, even with that surplus of money, uh, he's not going to go out and overpay for a free agent. Well, and Wes, it's funny, because I was just going to say, I mean, we know um, from the years of watching Thompson that the Julius Peppers and Charles Woodson are few and far between with Ted Thompson. Um, right. But but if if he was willing to spend money uh, outside the organization to bring in one guy, because it's not going to be multiple guys. You know that, the, that if, it, if it's anything, he might bring in a guy. And I know probably the answer could be we'll have to see who the Packers re-sign of their own, but is there a, a high – high-profile free agent that you think might be on the Packers' radar? Well, I know the name The name that got thrown out a lot was Percy Harvin, if the New York Jets would have get rid of him. And the thing about free agency, this is the one area I've always sided with Thompson, is that he's right. I mean, he, he does utilize free agency. The thing is, he really doesn't utilize unrestricted free agency, uh, which is where you sometimes find your Randall Cobbs of the world. Julius Peppers was an interesting situation because he was a cab casualty. Latroy Guyon was a cab casualty. By bringing those guys in and signing them, it wasn't so much about spending the money. It was about not having to concede any of those compensatory picks. As we're going to find out in three weeks, the Packers are probably going to get at least two draft picks. I would estimate probably a fourth and a sixth after losing James Jones and Evan Dietrich Smith and you know Marshall Newhouse and C.J. Wilson last year. Well, when you factor in that equation, they didn't sign any unrestricted free agents. Ted Thompson loves his draft picks, and he'll do whatever he can to get more of them. So... For that, has been probably the biggest thing with him is he doesn't want to put himself in a situation to risk that. And especially if they would lose Cobb this offseason, um, you're going to be getting a pretty high draft pick next year. Probably, I would say, what would it be, a third rounder, I think, if you'd end up losing him. So, yeah, when you ask me who they might look at, I could see a guy like Percy Harvin. If they would end up cutting him and with the Jets, well, that might be a guy that could come in and fill in for Randall Cobb's role. The big question with him, though, is how would he fit into a locker room? You'd look at Seattle – the most mild-mannered, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, laid-back team in the league, he, he couldn't make it there. He, he got under people's skin there. If he can't make it there, which, I mean, Green Bay has a pretty good foundation here, but it might be difficult to really get in anywhere. So um, that, that's probably the biggest question mark with him. Uh, you look at these inside backers on the market. I know David Harris is available, but he's 31 years old. Ray Maliuga played with, you know, Clay Matthews. Maybe they'd look at him. Um I think they're going to go out and find a Latroy guy on type inside backer, a guy that they could bring in, maybe isn't a definite starter, but could factor in the rotation. I think they need to augment that position a little bit. But for the most part, I really think it's going to stay tried and true. They're going to try to spend that money on those free agents. If they don't get them, I think that's where probably you see the Packers still hold on to that money, maybe extend Mike Daniels this offseason, start saving up for maybe an extension with Eddie Lacy. Uh, Ted Thompson doesn't give away money for free, and I don't think even if they would lose Randall Cobb uh, in, and Brian Balaga, I don't think you'll go out and see him spend it all for you know spend it for nothing. They're they're going to be very calculated in those moves. But the way that they're positioned right now, thirty three million dollars under the cap, I think seventh or eighth in the league for most cap room. That's the reason why I still think at the end of the day something gets done with Cobb. The Packers have the money to use. Wes, as always, it's great talking with you, my friend. We're going to have to have you on before WrestleMania and do an entire yeah. <laughs> interview in, in Pro Wrestling Voices. Uh, I'll try to do some Hulk Hogan. Uh, Scotty, I think, does a mean Dusty Rhodes. I know one of our yeah, friends right. does. Yeah, hey, hey, Wes, two two things real quick. Uh, first of all, I have one more football thing, and then I also wanted yeah. to let you know we're going to, we're going to try to put a roundtable together, too, to t- like probably right around the draft just to kind of – talk Packers and we'll get you involved in that. And I still want to do just a straight wrestling podcast 
yeah, uh, and yeah. have you be part of that. But real quick, two big moves today that uh, I don't know. One was kind of a shock. Uh, McCoy gets traded to Buffalo. At least that's what all the reports are saying. Um, so that's that's huge. And then of course Andre Johnson asked to be traded and now it looks like, or asked to be released or traded and now it looks like he's released and a free agent. Are any of those moves surprised? The McCoy thing kind of shocked me a little bit, to be honest. The, with the you. McCoy thing really shocked me. Uh, you know, in, in the look, I look at it from Buffalo's perspective right now. Kiko Alonso, guys, was a fantastic rookie. I understand he had a pretty devastating injury last year, but the way guys come back from ACL tears and reconstructive knee surgery. Uh, it's not as much of a detriment as it used to be, especially at that particular position. I found it very interesting that Buffalo parted ways from him. It seemed like from what I saw in the reports, he was asking to be traded, but he has no leverage. He had two more years before he was going to be a free agent, three if they pick up the option. So uh, I found it really interesting. You, after looking at maybe the Champ Bailey and you know Clinton Portis tra- trade from a number of years ago, with how running backs are kind of being devalued in this league, I understand Shady's a really – top-flight guy, arguably one of the best in the league, if not the best at this point in time. I just don't get it. Uh, I, I think that's a really obscure trade for Buffalo. Um, build that defense. It's been so strong for you. That was a playoff championship caliber defense last year. They just had one of the worst offenses in the league. Obviously, McCoy changes that, but is McCoy going to be good when Buffalo becomes good? I, I don't know. I think Buffalo's still a couple of years out. They don't have their quarterback. That was a really surprising trade to me. Andre Johnson, I think it made a lot of sense for Houston. They're not going to be winning, even though last year was kind of a nice appetizer for them. They're still probably a couple years away from being a consistent winner again. Johnson's not going to factor into those plans. He's making a lot of money. Send him in the free agent market. Maybe he'll get a, you know, a a Stephen Jackson or Stephen Smith, excuse me, Steve Smith type contract uh, where he can go somewhere else. I know some people asked about the Packers. I think he'd be a little too old for the Packers liking, although, again, as I mentioned, that compensatory picks, he wouldn't factor into that equation. They could get him for free. Uh, in terms of draft picks. So uh, a lot of things to shuffle out. But, yeah, that that trade today, it was a stunner. It's probably good for the NFL. I think it brings a lot of uh, – it's nice to have those high-profile trades every once in a while. It seems like they only happen every so often, every couple of years. Uh, but but as far as Philly, I thought they got away like bandits. I mean, that's that's going to be a great trade for, for getting Kiko Alonso back and Chip Kelly's defense and, and under his wing. And uh, with how running backs are now, you have to have a good one. The Packers proved that. But I think the age of – having a $10 million a year running back are behind us right now. I also, see what you did uh, there, by the way. Uh, by the way, you said Alonzo. He's an Oregon duck underneath his wing. I see what you did, uh-huh. Chip Kelly. Well done, Wes. Yeah. Well done. You like that? Yeah, very <laughs> yeah, very like small that. things there. Yeah, I got to work those in. <laughs> also, I just wanted to point out that we talked, uh, a bunch of people talked after uh, Royal Rumble just to switch back to WrestleMania, and everybody was down on the potential of WrestleMania. And I said... I kind of put together a little fantasy booking on the fly, and actually six of the matches I thought could happen are actually happening. It looks like it's going to be a heck of a card. So, so okay, uh, so you would have you would have picked Reigns versus Lesnar. Yep. Um, uh, I, Reigns, so, I, had Reigns, I had Reigns and Lesnar. I thought I knew they were going to carry over Rusev and Cena because it wasn't yeah, going to be one off. Yeah, no question. Um, Orton, even though it hasn't been announced yet, Orton's going to take on Rollins, and, and that'll happen. No, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to bring Orton back if you're not going to have him at WrestleMania taking on Rollins. You I mean, know, that, to be honest, this has nothing to do with what you want to talk. I didn't like what they did with Orton. Have him come back and be a straight laced face. He he was so hot that night when he came back, and then they kind of have him going back to. And I understand he's going to turn against them again, but why even mess with that? When they said when Triple H and Stephanie said, "Hey, come back," he should have just said no. I mean. 
I thought sure. they took some of the steam away from them, but anyway, that's a side. That's an aside. Yeah, yeah. I think they're slow building on it, but I agree. And I, I, I had a feeling that we, we were going to see Bray and Undertaker as long as Undertaker was going to step in. And and you know the nice part about Undertaker too is they're not probably not going to see him before WrestleMania. Yeah, I like so that, that idea. Yeah, so that's nice too. And then uh, I really wanted to see Ziggler and Brian in a singles match, but we're going to get them in that ladder match. They're going to be you both know, members of it. I don't like that though. I, I, the ladder match, the the battle royal, those are gimmicky matches. That's where you throw guys who you don't really know what to do with. And dude, Bri- Daniel Bryan should be wrestling a singles match. I, I really liked it when he, you heard the rumors of him and Ziggler wrestling each other at Mania. I thought that'd be great. I was just, I, I mean, okay, if it's a if it's a question between Daniel Bryan being in the ladder match or wrestling Sheamus, I'll take the ladder match. But I was disappointed in that. I was hoping they would have – like, when those guys were going back and forth, I don't know if you guys watched Raw, but when yeah. they're staring at each other and Ziggler's holding the Intercontinental title, I'm like, what is this? He's not even the champion. I mean, it's like they might as well just take the belt away from Barrett. He's just been thrown in the dirt, you know? I just well, – I, I, I would thought, rather see – yeah. I, I, I thought they missed an opportunity because that could have been a uh, – that singles match could have been a WrestleMania moment. It could, and, yes. Absolutely, and then then I would have had Ambrose and Barrett one on one, and then everybody else. Then you could throw in a ladders match to make the number one contender for the Intercontinental Title if you wanted to. Um, if they're gonna if they're know, gonna spend three weeks having an Intercontinental Title tournament like they did last year, you can have a number one contender ladder match, no question. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think I think that's where they missed the boat as well. Other than that, it's a strong card. We're going to probably see one more match added. It'll probably be Cody versus his brother one last time because it'll yeah, probably be Dustin's last WrestleMania. And then Sting and Triple H, we knew that was going to happen. So a lot of that I kind just, of fell into place. I just, I'm really interested to see how Sting looks. I mean, when he, <laughs> if he's going to keep doing the TNA, wearing the T-shirt, you know, the, the old man, I don't want to show my body thing, or if he's actually going to be in pretty good shape. I'm I'm really, I'm really interested to see that. I'm glad Sting finally came over, but gosh, I mean, it's, it's a, it's about quarter to midnight right now as far as how, like, how long he waited to finally make the jump. So he should have did sure. it two years ago. That flame was uh, white probably hot. Probably should have done it. Probably should have done it five years ago, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he was holding on for, but I'll tell you this: there are some people who have been out of shape about him being in that card. But what people have to understand is WrestleMania is still because of what it is. It's still about moments, and you have yeah. to have that one sting moment. I mean, it, you you just have to. And so I, I guess I'm okay with it as opposed to just having him on a random pay-per-view. It might Absolutely. as well be WrestleMania. So. Yeah. And, and one more thing, just as I, as we completely take this away from the Green Bay Packers, I, I got to mention too, really the thing I find that's most funny is if Undertaker really comes back, I don't know about you guys, but if someone like kicked my butt and like just beat the snot out of me, I know the first thing I would do, and, and took away my streak, the first thing I would do is come back to WWE and wrestle Bray Wyatt. I wouldn't try to go back after that guy. That, I understand you needed, you needed Lesnar in the main event, but that, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me about this, is why would, why would Undertaker wrestle Bray Wyatt? It's a great match. I think it'll be a fun little gimmick, but it's like that doesn't make any sense at all. You, wouldn't you go after the guy who beat the streak? Sure, and I think they, 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 put, they booked it well, though, by having Bray be the one who calls him out. Absolutely, um, no question. And in saying, that, "Hey, you're no longer the guy you were." Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, it'll be good. It, it, it's it, it'll be, it's uh, it's shaping up to be a really good card. And there were a couple of years there, um, and I'm staring directly at WrestleMania 27, where yeah. there weren't a lot of good cards. So this is this is ex- this is exciting to see. 
Yeah. No, it's gonna be fun to watch and uh I'm more of a with the WWE network. I am I love NXT. Like that's worth nine ninety nine alone. Oh, like yeah, just that's it's great. Like it's this is it, fun that to is, watch. That is the, that's the best part of all that is that, um, I mean, the pay-per-views are great. That's an awesome deal. But finally being able to watch NXT because, you know, I used to watch it when they did the, you know, the one that was before shows and that when Kurt Hawkins and Tyler Rex were wrestling. And, you know, it was, it was kind of more like the, the B guys, the B team guys. Yeah. But when they made the switch to the, you know, that they were no longer going to do it that way, you know, NXT went away for about a year. So then when finally when they brought the network back, it was cool to finally be able to see that. Again, I think Kevin Owens, a lot of those guys are just fantastic. I think they're – I'm always confused how they're going to be able to incorporate all that talent on the main roster eventually because, you know, they they don't have any more shows, and, and you have so many guys on the main roster already. Uh, but I but I think a guy like Kevin Owens, I think once Sami Zayn gets his big push in the, in the main roster, I think those guys are going to be terrific when you, you put them up against the likes of Daniel Bryan and such. I, you know, I think we're going to see Samoa Joe sign, too, from what my sources are telling yeah. me. Think about how things are different. Now, Now, you think about in a year from now, you could have guys like Rusev, Bray Wyatt, uh, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe in, on the top of the card, which the body type, you can tell that's got Triple H all over because Vince would never sit for that. He wanted the, no. the rip and tone guys, and, and I think uh, Triple H's influence is being felt more and more, and I think for the better, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I do too because, I mean, as much as everybody loves the Rybacks of the world, um, there's things that, you know, Flynn, Finn Balor and, you know, some of these guys can do that are just remarkable. I mean, just in the, the gimmicks and in the stories that they're telling. Yeah, I think I agree. I think as, as Jake kind of said, I mean, those matches now on NXT, I know they're getting a bigger, you know, longer time frame to work with, but the, the stories they're telling are almost better than the main roster right now just because they aren't, they're just, you know, it's simple. It's one hour. It's usually four matches, and, and yep. you know, everybody gets a chance to really showcase themselves. So it's been fun. I've, I've had a good time watching that. Yeah, that's definitely been the highlight of the network so far. Yeah, I, I thought, like, the like during that last live, the NXT TakeOver Rival, the, the women's match, the four-way match with oh, with yeah. Charlotte and Sasha Banks and Be- uh, Becky Lynch and Bailey. Like, Bailey, like, I, I liked how they developed her, having more of an aggressive streak. Like I thought that almost I think that might have been my favorite match of the night. Just they're physical and uh I mean they it was just a really good match and something that you don't see on the main roster. Uh yeah. but even, you know, Finn Balor and uh and Adrian Neville, like Neville just that deadlift German suplex is just a, a fun thing. That oh. kid kid's strong. He did it to Owen Owens the the next week and it was just insane. So uh yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it, it'll, I'm, yeah. I'm really I'm nervous how what they're, how they're going to use Neville when he eventually gets up to the main roster because I don't want him to just turn into Evan Bourne. Like, I, right. I really hope they have a very sound foundation for how they can use him because I think uh, he could be a, a really big ass. I mean, he does, he does stuff that nobody else can do. I mean, the, I mean, the most technically gifted guys, uh, they sometimes don't get the most credit, as we've obviously all seen. So just his, you know, the standing somersaults and that, I mean, just the, the stuff he does is remarkable. And that's the coolest thing is they kind of brought all that together. I was disappointed so far with Kenta. I, that's the only one that I think's kind of been a dud so far. I just, I, I, I'm not seeing it. I, I just think his character just hasn't really done a lot, but the rest of the guys they brought in, I thought uh, have been fantastic so far. Yeah, no, I can agree with that for, yeah, I think he's still finding his way. And I think yeah, uh, in terms of the yeah. style, but like with what he, like I'm a big fan of Tyler Breeze. 
Uh, and I know yeah. that we said we'd give we'd only talk for 15 minutes, and we're a half hour in talking <laughs> wrestling. So, so sorry about that, brother. Uh, but uh, you know, Tyler Breeze. Uh, in all honesty, I think he's one of the be- one of the better workers in NXT, and just his character with the selfie stick. Now that's all. Uh, and what they do with his character, like they've had some really good matches and some good just the story they're telling there. Uh, I've really well, I, enjoyed yeah. watching them. I liked all the rumors. I don't know if the rumors are still out there about you know potentially bringing him up to the main roster and having him be with Miz after the whole program with Sandow ends. I, I think that could be. I think those two could be like really magical together if they end up pairing him with him, uh, with Miz and, and Breeze. I think that could be a really cool because Breeze has been down. I mean. Geez, I think he wrestled in FCW in his other gimmick too, right? It's Mike Dalton or whatever. So uh, if he, oh, if he yeah. can get a chance, I think uh, I think that'd be a great. I think those two could really play off each other really well. Like I could see that being the guy, you know, once Miz now, you know, leaves Miz, that that could be the guy that he brings in as the next, you know, personal assistant or whatever. I think that could be a really great, really great combo together. But yeah, he's. I was kind of hoping, you know, when they, and I knew obviously they were gonna they were gonna push Neville and they, you know, the other guys they were gonna use, but I was kind of always hoping he would end up with the title. Um, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen now, but he's been great. I'm I'm hoping that that does work out that him and uh, Tommy they can they can have a good match there once that ever comes together. Absolutely, absolutely, and we're gonna talk more about this hopefully before WrestleMania. If not, we'll definitely do. <laughs> we're gonna get to. I, you'd be surprised, Wes, how many wrestling fans. Actually, I'm not even that surprised anymore. Not just from SB Nation, but you're also yeah. looking at uh, former Wisconsin Badgers quarterback, backup to quarterback Nate Tice, who's a, a scout for the Falcons. We've been trying to get him on because he's a huge wrestling fan, and Phil Dawson. Like, I, I want to get like yeah. a huge wrestling roundtable and just everyone just have a free-for-all in terms of fantasy booking, like half sports, yeah, I'm half def- pro wrestling. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely game for that. That's the coolest thing about social media in my, and I'm, I hope I didn't just scare away all your listeners for the last 20 minutes, but that's the coolest <laughs> thing about the social media kind of revolution is I think it brought more people out of the woodwork from wrestling. Because I remember when I was in school, uh, before the days of Twitter and before the days where you could, you know, put your comments out there immediately, uh, right. That was always kind of a full pot thing. Like I, I had friends that watched it, but then there was other people that were like, "Dude, you watch professional wrestling?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and now it's like it brings people together. I know Chris uh, Maring. I don't know if you guys know him, the the PR guy for the Timber Rattlers, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Yeah. He's a huge wrestling fan. So him and I on most Monday nights, you can see us going back and forth about you know what we think of certain gimmicks and that. So, um, but yeah, no, it's it's great. Yeah, if we definitely can get that together, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet. Hey, I've got to throw a plug out there, by the way. I was uh, This weekend I was on a show with Ken Anderson, but on uh, March 14th in Fredonia, <laughs> at Fredonia Middle School, I'm going to be wrestling in a uh, charity uh, show against for, for a fight against cancer, which, as everybody knows, is near and dear to my heart. So um, anybody who's in the area of Fredonia um, on March 14th that wants to help beat cancer and see me in the ring, make sure you guys stop on down. Gosh, awesome. if, I'll tell you what, man. If if free agency isn't, if we get most of the guys taken care of by then, gosh, I'll get down there for that too. Right, Not to actually awesome. wrestle to watch, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get you. We'll, we'll get you like the the sweats. Like you'll see like the wrestling gear, like the the sweats. You know, the gray sweats and yeah, and all that stuff. We'll get, we'll bring you down there. That'd be awesome. Uh, I'll, be and, the, uh, I'll be the John Stewart of the of the yeah. show. <laughs> Awesome. Wes, always, my friend, it's always great talking with you. We will talk soon. Everyone, make sure you guys follow Wes on Twitter, at Wes Hod. 
Check out, of course, the Green Bay Press Gazette. You guys do great stuff over there. You do great stuff, uh, and we'll definitely be in touch soon, my friend. All right, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on again. Guys, Wes Hodkowitz. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll play some uh, some audio from Frank Kaminsky talking about the Big Ten title that they won a share of yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, I should say Sunday, after a 68-61 victory over Michigan State. Take a quick break, about a minute 30, come back, talk a little bit more, wrap up the show. This is the Kielbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. You know, to go out on senior day and win a Big Ten title is you know, unbelievable. I know Josh Duyetre and I have talked about it all four of our years. You know, Josh is 16 years. Um, so um, it's just an unbelievable feeling to do it in front of our families and friends, you know, where everyone could make it. Um, I feel like so many people I knew as well as I'm sure Josh has 700 people here. So, um, not really. Um, just to go out there and do it in front of our families and friends and fans is unbelievable. Um, and the GoPro is just something for the Chronicles, for the Archivists. Josh, part of your question, and you as a senior, you want to that as well, about getting a Big Ten title and what it means to you that this group knowing that has done that? Yeah, I mean, when the schedule came out, um, first time I looked at it, I, I had the date circled because I envisioned this exact scenario happening you know, on senior night, last home game against a really good team, you know, closing out the Big Ten, and um, I didn't know for sure you know, it was going to happen. It looked a little rough at times, you know, especially when Trey went down, um, but we were able to stick together as a team and just um, everyone on this team, not just the four seniors, you know, we all had the same goal of winning a Big Ten championship. Uh, we were hungry and worked really hard at it, so it's definitely fulfilling, but we got a few more goals to achieve. Hey guys, this is Jake Kuba Kutzerowski, that's part of the tag team, one half of that tag team known as the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Just wanted to thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you guys check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, great SB Nation site dedicated to all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. Once again, check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, also on Twitter, at B5Q. Doza Bacenia, my friends. Everyone, welcome back. Sorry for the couple seconds of radio silence. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski here, of course, part of the Bucky's fifth quarter radio network. And just a quick plug, by the way, quick thanks to Bucky's fifth quarter beat writer Luke Miller, our basketball beat writer, part-time football beat writer, who uh, got us the audio today uh, and got it for us, uh, you know, for this week uh, for our show. Uh, and uh, big thanks to him. But also, make sure you guys check out later this week, Drew Hom, John Aaron's The Men in Red show. Uh, they will have Luke on talking about uh, the Badgers basketball team a little bit, going a little bit more of a deep dive compared to, to what we have here, uh, where we kind of spread the, the wealth, the plethora of Wisconsin sports knowledge. Uh, they focus in and hone in on the Badgers uh more of the Badgers athletics, obviously, uh, but uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, and also uh, follow Scotty and I on Twitter. Uh, Scott's at ScottWithNews2. Follow me at JakeCocoB5Q. And, of course, uh, at Kings WI at B5Q. 
cute. And, you know, we're wrapping up the show. We just want to thank Wes Hodkowitz. want to thank Ben Morgo. Make sure you guys follow them on Twitter. They just do great stuff. It's uh, uh, good to get another consecutive show weekly in. And, and to wrap up the show, obviously, right now the Bucks are playing. Rough loss to the Lakers this weekend. However, uh, from what it looks like, they're taking on the Denver Nuggets right now. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they're uh, up by seven right you know, now. Uh, go, but go ahead. The they, they didn't play well this weekend. Uh, two bad losses. They lost to Utah as well and, and just weren't able to score any points. Um, they haven't been the same team since they traded Brandon Knight. Here's the thing. I know what they're trying to do, and I don't necessarily hate on them for it. Uh, they're not looking at this year. They're going to make the playoffs anyway even without Brandon Knight. Um, but I really thought they had a chance to win a series with Brandon Knight. Without him, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but they're trying to get younger. They're trying to look ahead. They didn't think they could re-sign Knight for the money he's going to want, um, though I think he's going to be worth it. I, I think he's a, he's a rising player. He's a rising star in this league. But they went the, the way of MCW, uh, Michael Carter-Williams, and hopefully next year if everyone's healthy at some point, I think you might miss the beginning of the year, Parker, but you'll have Parker, Giannis, and, and Michael Carter-Williams, and, and that should be the nucleus of a really good squad. Um, but, yeah, they haven't been the same team. And I know Carter-Williams was getting over a foot injury, and now O.J. May is a little banged up. The Bucks have had some injuries, not, not as many as they had last year. And they've overcome a lot of that. Um, but hopefully they can right the ship, beat Denver. They had a tough one with Golden State that they probably won't win. And then just, you know, hold on to that sixth seed because if they end up – I think they match up well with Toronto. I think they could beat Toronto in the, in the series. And then obviously they'd lose to either, you know, Cleveland or, or Atlanta in the next round. But I think they could beat Toronto. I don't know that they could beat uh, Washington. Chicago's on a team kind of on the fall right now, on a free fall because of, you know, the injuries to Rose and now Butler's out. But but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk some more Bucks. We'll talk some more Brewers next week. Some more baseball in general. Josh Hamilton news. You know, he'll, he'll be suspended as he fell off the wagon. Hopefully there'll be some good stories coming out of camp. You know, I know that I kind of get I, I kind of get overly optimistic, even though I, I know the Brewers are a 77-win team. We kind of talked about that. But uh, I think uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think that they could uh, – um, now that we're in spring, I, I'm like, oh, maybe they can win 82 games or 83 games. But, you know, in the end, it's, they're, they're a 77-win team at best. I still get optimistic around springtime. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see. We'll, we'll get some. We'll get a Brewers correspondent on here for sure uh, down the road and uh, coming up. And, yeah, but, yeah, it's a good time of the year. Uh, you got a dupe of the week at all? Um, You know, I, it's funny. I, I kind of do. And it, I, I'm going to give it to Robert Flores because – He's, you know, typical seems to be the new MO at ESPN where you're going to make the story. He took a shot at Izzy Azalea, and of course, uh, her boyfriend who happens to play for the uh, for the Lakers uh, shot back at him, and then he made a comment today. He said that Young, if he took a swing at him, there's a 70% chance he'd miss. Come on, dude. Like, you're supposed to be a quote-unquote sports journalist. Don't make yourself the story, man. I mean, that's, Ouch. that's not... That's not how it should work. So I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> wow. Where did that come up? I 
that uh, yesterday actually was when he made the comment on Sports Center about Iggy Azalea, and then the Twitter war started uh, shortly thereafter. Gotcha. Now I'm not even seeing the. I'm, I, it's, it's Robert Flores, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not even. I'll have to take a look through his timeline. I was looking at it right now, but that's. Yeah, well, I know he made the comment about the swing on a, on a radio show, but there were some other tweets in there where Young kind of got after him, and then he went on somebody's radio show and made the the it, It's just silliness. I mean, I remember Robert Forrest. Remember when NFL primetime was a bigger show because that was before NBC had Sunday Night Football? So, so Roman and Tom Jackson would do all the highlights that, because now NBC has their highlight show, so... They can't yeah. do prime time like they used to. But that used to be the big thing. But then there were always those crummy games like Arizona against San Diego when they were both bad. And then Robert Flores would get to come in and do like two or three highlights. Like that, He was like the B team on NFL primetime. And he's lasted quite a while, but uh, now obviously decided to, you know, make some news. So. Oh, lovely. Always fun. But, uh, but, uh, that's it. That's a sarcastic. What's not sarcastic is is this show has been fun again. Uh, you and I, you know, it's, it's great getting back doing this second week in a row that we've jumped back on, and uh, we got a lot going on. And obviously, we thank Wes Hodkowitz uh, and Ben Wargle coming on. Uh, we'll try to come back and do this again uh, this upcoming Sunday. Uh, we'll talk a lot of uh, obviously some more Badger talk with them. They're two big matchups against at on the road against Minnesota and. Ohio State, uh, and also preparation for the Big Ten tournament, which is coming up, which that's, that's going to be yeah. big next week. Uh, and can they try to secure number one seed after that loss? And, I really, and I really want to get into some baseball, too, so hopefully we can do that. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If any other news notes on a Wisconsin scene, whether Badgers or abroad, we will let you know. Uh, and big congrats, by the way, to a friend of the show, Chris Maragos, uh, number retired uh, for Racine Horlick this past weekend. So big congratulations to Chris uh, for having his number retired. Uh, for, of course, more Badger walk-on, uh, Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks, now playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. They made that big trade earlier today. And who knows, maybe after that trade, everyone's talking about a running back for the Eagles. Who knows, Melvin Gordon could, could drop and uh, could drop into their laps there, uh, which I know would make Drew Hama, Philadelphia native, very happy. So we'll see. We'll um, see. Well, on that note, then I'll let you. I'll let you wrap wrap this thing up, and and we'll get at it again next week. Sounds good. You guys have a good night. I uh, will see you guys next week. Doza Bachenia, my friends. Accordion solo, American polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs> Thank you.